Thanks for listening to coverage of the Society of Environmental Journalists Annual Conference 2019 in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks to all our members and supporters for making this possible. For more information on this and other sessions, look for the 2019 conference agenda at sej.org. In the 21st century, so often we mistake what we see in social media for reality. Um, what we see in social media is, is a, portion, a small slice of reality. All of that anger, that vitriol, all of that crazy stuff that gets said, but it is just a small slice of reality. So I, um, I spend much of my day job taking a different pulse on reality. I, I conduct surveys with my colleague, Tony Leiserwitz at Yale, the Yale Program on Climate Change Communication. We run a, a for almost 12 years now, we've been running a, a public opinion poll every six months, and we go really deep into a whole range of issues related to climate change and, and clean energy and what people know, what they think they know that isn't so, and what, they, what kinds of policies they support, et cetera. So I'm just going to take a few minutes and share some of our latest findings with you. Um, but I'm going to put those findings in context of, of what the kinds of changes that we've seen in public understanding over the past five years because the American people are clearly changing with regard to their understanding and their concern about climate change. It's, we've seen a really dramatic shift in the past five years. So I'll share that with you. Um, I'm going to acknowledge the obvious, which is that Democrats and Republicans are in, in different places on this issue, um, but that young Republicans are not like their parents and their grandparents on this issue, and they, they seem to be evolving rapidly, and that is sending a loud, clear signal to Republican elected officials and, and political consultants, which is, I think, going to be very helpful going forward. Um, the next point I want to make has to do with the, the obvious, which is America is not one place. Uh, one, there's, we are not a homogeneous nation. We're a highly heterogeneous nation. And, and um, depending on where you work, your audience is very different than where others of you work. And, and I've got a really nice tool to show you that will open up a lens to help you understand your audience regardless of where you work in the US. Um, and then finally, and perhaps most importantly, while there is great polarization on the issue of climate change itself, there is not much polarization on the issue of clean energy and Americans' belief that a clean energy future is a better future. And so the path to solutions is much less impeded than the path to educating the American people about climate change. Until quite recently, Whenever I was given the microphone, I would always say the following. Most Americans understand that the climate is changing, but they see it as a distant threat, distant in space, somewhere else, not here, country in Asia or Africa, countries in Asia and Africa that I probably couldn't find on the map, but not in the USA, not in my community, distant in time. 2100 for sure, because I keep seeing those in the New York Times and other places, I keep seeing those charts that end in 2100. So yeah, that's when climate change will come home to roost, but not today. Um, and different, distant in species. Plants, penguins, polar bears, absolutely for sure. Polar bears, but people, not so much. It's just not true anymore. So you can say, what I've just walked you through, you can still sort of see in this data, but what isn't true anymore, and it's really now for the first time ever in America, the average American feels that they will personally be harmed by climate change. 
that their family, people in their community, people in their nation will be harmed by climate change. So that is a big difference than five years back when people saw it as distant. We do still tend to believe that people in the future will be more likely to be hurt than people in the present, that plants and animal species will be harmed more than people, that people in the world's poorest countries will be harmed more than people in this rich country, all of which is absolutely true. Um, but the fact that we are now at the tipping point, we've got 50% of Americans recognizing this as a personally relevant issue, that is really a, a game changer in my view. Um, this happens to be the chart over time of the proportion of Americans who say global warming is harming Americans right now right now. So we started really, uh, the first data point is an aberration, I want you to ignore it. Uh, in 2010, we were at a quarter of the population, we're now at a half of the population. So in the span of nine years, we've doubled the proportion of people who recognize that climate change has come home to roost. A Part of that, I think, is the national climate assessments that have been released since then. The third assessment and the fourth assessment, both of which have fundamentally said the single most, the single leading message was climate change is happening here and now in communities across America, um, and Americans are, are starting to listen to that. Our research shows that there are five facts. We call them key beliefs. Um, so that I don't have to argue whether or not they're factually correct, but they are factually correct. There are five key beliefs that strongly differentiate Americans who are getting involved in solutions, who are rolling up their sleeves and doing things that are helpful, like contacting their elected official. And they are, it's real, climate change is real. It's us, climate change is human caused. The experts agree, There's, there is not any real disagreement among climate scientists about human-caused climate change. Mm -hmm. It's bad for people, not just penguins and polar bears, um, and there's hope. There are actions that we can take that will make a difference. So this is just a couple of snapshots of data from the past five years, the trends in the past five years. It's real, up 11 points. It's us, up 15 points. Experts agree, up 15 points. It's bad. I've got a whole bunch of different indicators of it's bad. But you can see that basically lump them all together, and it's about up 15 percentage points in five years. So those four of the five most important key beliefs, it's, it's, it's real, it's us, it, experts agree, it's bad, dramatic shift upwards. Um, it's, there's hope, that's a more complicated question, I'm not going to show you that data directly, but I'm hoping that your work is going to focus a lot on giving people hope, because our research shows that people who have more hope are more likely to take actions that are helpful. Hope and helpful actions are very strongly associated. Um, again, to my point that there's no such thing as one America. We, um, this is, uh, in our work, we've done an audience segmentation. We did this first back 11 years ago, and we've been tracked. We found six distinct groupings of Americans. Um, back then, we called them Global Warming Six Americas. I'm not going to go really deep into them. I'll simply point out the obvious, which is that on the left side of my slide, not by accident. You have the Americans who are alarmed about climate change. They are people like me, probably like most of you. Um, on the other end of the continuum, you have the dismissive, um, currently 9%. Um, they, we probably all have a member of our family who is dismissive. But just, just keeping in mind that those two ends of the continuum, those are the Americans who feel strongly about this issue. 
They both feel strongly about this issue. They've reached totally opposite conclusions. Five years ago, they were equal in proportion. They were both, uh, I believe it was 14%. Um, and, and now, the and also the doubtful, a group who are much like the dismissive, they just don't feel strongly about it. They tend to believe that it's probably overblown and maybe it's, maybe it's happening but not human caused. Um, but these two groups were 14% five years ago. The alarmed was 14% five years ago. So in the five years, there's been this huge shift towards not only understanding the reality of it, but being worried about the implications of the reality of human caused climate change. So the next point, that's the fact that Democrats and Republicans do really see this as a different issue. Um, it isn't an accident. It, uh, it wasn't always this way. 20-some years ago in the late uh, in the late 1990s, when polling really, really serious polling started happening on climate change, the average Republican and the average Democrat had identical views about climate change. Identical. Fast forward the result of a, an incredibly disciplined, incredibly persistent public misinformation campaign. And Democrats and Republicans now almost seem to exist in different universes on this issue and so many other issues. So climate change got caught up in the culture wars, much to all of our detriment. Um, but this is the, this is sort of, uh, these are four of the key indicators I showed you before. Global warming is happening. Global warming is human caused. Most scientists agree that human caused climate change is occurring. And I am worried about global warming. And what you see here is essentially a cohort analysis. Um, millennials on top, Gen Xers, boomers, and the silent generation. So if you notice, Democrats, young Democrats, middle-aged Democrats, and older Democrats, we are all kind of more or less, we have equivalent views. There is no cohort effect. Not so with Republicans. Young Republicans are opening up their minds to the reality of this issue. And the Republican pollsters, who I have had the opportunity to talk to and listen to, they see it clearly in their data. And they are starting to counsel their clients to walk out of that corner you have painted yourself into. Because if you don't walk out now, the sooner you walk out, the, the less of a problem you're going to have for yourself, because you are alienating those voters who you need in order to, to, to hold your office. So the geographic differences. Um, this is such an interesting. <laughs> this is such an interesting country we live in. Um, we are so different in in so many ways, but. In many, in, these are the Yale Climate Opinion Maps. My colleague, Tony Leiserwitz, he takes our national data and he downscales it. I won't go into all the details. I'll just say it's almost magic. He can take our, because we've done so many national public opinion polls and we've got such a large sample size nationally, he has found, he has developed a statistical algorithm that lets him predict with great accuracy what people all the way down to the county level and the metro level um, think and feel about climate change. Um, he, is, he knows it's accurate because he's done confirmation surveys. He's gone into a couple of different states and a couple of different uh, cities. And he's done uh, validation surveys. And he's shown that he's within two percentage points of our, our national data downscaled is within two percentage points, usually closer to one, um, 
in the downscaled efforts. So it's really remarkable, and this is the tool. If you remember nothing else I say, Yale Climate Opinion Maps is what I want you to remember from my talk. They're online. Um, they're incredibly useful. There are 25 different indicators of public opinion, including support for different public policies. Um, and so I'm just going to give you a little snapshot of Colorado. Since we're in Colorado, turns out that Colorado is smack dab in the, the middle in terms of representing the national average. Six out of 10 Coloradans are worried about climate change. Um, 63% support a carbon tax on fossil fuel companies as long as other taxes are reduced to an equivalent amount. In other words, a revenue neutral carbon tax. 70% say that environmental protection is more important than economic growth. Wow, just like pause on that for a moment. Uh, that, you know, this is like one of the most deeply held views that we have that differentiates liberals from conservatives. Conservatives are place the, uh, the economy above all else, which may still be true, but they still feel that the environment, it's not a, it's not a trade off. It's a false dichotomy. We've seen that over and over. And seven out of 10 Coloradans feel that way. Um, that says 82%, I'm sorry, the slide is cut off. 82% support tax rebates for people who purchase energy efficient cars and solar panels. This is just one small slice of that wild enthusiasm that Americans have for clean energy, a clean energy future. They want to use public resources to help you and me make the change in our life. Change to an electric vehicle, put solar panels on our roof. That's pretty remarkable. 84% um, support increased uh, federal R&D spending on clean energy. 84%, where do you see where you see your almost unanimous agreement on anything in America at that level anymore. Um, but this is actually the most interesting data point on this slide, at least to me. Over and over again in our surveys, we see that people tell us they don't hear climate change talked about among their friends, families, and coworkers, and they don't see it reported in the media. As it turns out, here in Colorado, they're eight percentage points higher than the national average in terms of seeing it reported in the media um, once a week or more frequently. Um, but that's even then, so that's eight percentage points above the national average, but it's still only 40% of Coloradans say they're, they're hearing it or reading it, seeing it in the media once per week. So while you may be flooding the airwaves in, in Nevada, uh, I actually, you can, you can look and see to what degree Nevadans tell us, tell you that they feel, you know, that they're seeing this all the time. Uh, I, would, I would imagine, I haven't looked, but I would imagine there's not a community in America that oh, half of whom would say they see a climate story once a week or more frequently. Okay, the last point, the most important point. Um, we are almost in agreement, perfect agreement about clean energy future being a better future than, than what we have. Um, this is just a question we say in the future, do you think the U.S. should be using the following energy sources more or less or about the same as we do today? You can see that solar and wind, we, we pretty much all say that's our future, that's where we want to go. Do we want more oil? No. We don't want more oil. Do we want more coal? No. Nuclear? No. Natural gas? Pretty much no. Um, there just isn't a lot of agree disagreement about that. And the, why? What's underlying that? Actually, I could have, before we started asking this in our surveys, I could have told you the answer from my face-to-face -face interviews with members of the dismissive group. People who would tell me, politely, usually, um, look, Ed, I, I, climate change is a bunch of hokum, you know, 
ginned up by climate scientists and, and liberal, uh, liberal uh, uh, politicians, but I'm not an idiot. I understand that, that fossil fuel energy is dirty energy. I understand that pollutes our air and our water, and I understand that that's bad for my kid because he's got asthma, and it's bad for my father-in-law because he's got chronic obstructive lung disease, and on a bad day, he has to wear an oxygen tank as he goes through his day. So this notion of clean energy as healthy energy, a healthier future for us all, that, that's not a hard sell. People get that at a very deep intuitive level. Um, this is, in some respects, the one data finding that has surprised me the most in my data recently. We ask people about, do you want to see your state, your, your electrical utilities in your state required to produce 100% of their energy, um, clean renewable energy by the year 2050? Okay, 100%, that's a big, hairy, audacious goal. And I'll just point you over here. These are conservative Republicans. Two out of three conservative Republicans say yes. I do. I support that. That's a good idea. Um, and I would contend to you, they feel it's a good idea because they want clean air. They want clean water. I took that slide out of my deck. Damn it. Um, I can just tell you, that's why they want it. They're the top five reasons why they, the, the top five reasons why they think this is a good idea. Number one is cleaner air. Number two is cleaner water, and number five is better health. Um, number three, by the way, is is to to leave a better future for our children and our grandchildren. The legacy notion. Um, so this is why we're in agreement. We conservatives and and liberals are in agreement on clean energy being better energy. Oops, I missed the slide entirely. Um, but who do we want to see lead? Who do we want to see making these changes or helping us make these changes? This is really interesting. In a, in a, for a country that, that prides itself on being the oldest, greatest democracy on the planet, um, I don't see the clock anymore. Oh, here it is. Okay, perfect. Um, we actually want to see more leadership from industry than we want to see from government. We see this in other ways in our data too. So among the alarmed segment, I told you that they are, um, they are the segment most likely to be rolling up their sleeves and taking helpful actions. One of those helpful actions is they can be contacting their elected officials and saying, climate change is important to me. I expect you to do the right thing. I expect you to take this problem seriously and put in place changes in our policy that will help us avert this crisis. Um, another way they can engage is they can say, I am not going to spend my money with you anymore because I feel that you are, have shown me, proven to me, you're a company who doesn't give a damn. Um, and I'm going to spend my money with this other company who is at least telling me you give a damn. I'm not really sure if you do and if your practices are aligning behind it. Um, but the interesting thing about just the difference in those two responses that we ask about in every one of our surveys, for every one American who con has contacted an elected official in the past year, three have withheld or provided patronage to a corporation based on their views of that corporation's actions, climate actions or climate sensibilities. So there's a real disconnect with this notion of us as this great democracy and us acting as citizens. We're much more comfortable acting as consumers. And, and you see it here too, because mostly, most Americans, want, most Americans are most likely to want to see change, action, leadership from corporations let, and from citizens themselves. We have more moderate expectations of our government at the federal level, at the state level, and at the local level. Um, 
I still don't know how to interpret this one. This is where the rubber meets the road for you all. Uh, the half of the public seems to be giving you a pass, saying you're, you're doing a good job. The other half says you got to do more. Um, I don't really understand why they aren't all saying you have to do more when they tell us I hardly ever see anything about this in, in the news media. Um, but I want to conclude with, with FDR's thought. Um, so Bernadette and I have been working together now helping TV weathercasters around the country report on climate change as a here, now, us problem, trying to shrink that psychological gap that I talked about a few minutes ago that people tend to see it as a distant problem. Our survey data convinced us because so, so many Americans say they trust their local weathercaster as a source of information about climate change. They trust them because they know them. They're on air. We see them several times per week on average. We feel we know them. Uh, our very first weathercaster was Joe Witte. He actually was the guy who approached me with the idea that we should develop climate matters. And I, I used to walk around in Washington with him. He was on air in Washington at that time. And for the first time in my life, people's heads would turn and look at me until I realized, oh, they're not actually looking at me. They're looking at Joe. Um, but. So we've been doing this now for almost 10 years, trying to help weathercasters tell a local climate story. And last year at the AMS annual meeting, Bernadette and I and John Morales from, from Miami and uh, um, Elisa Rafa from Springfield, Missouri, we gave us a, a session, incredibly well attended. There was probably 300, 400 people in the audience. And we intentionally left half of our session open for people to come to the mic and tell us their story. How has it gone for them when they report on climate change as a local story as a broadcast meteorologist? And we probably heard 50 testimonials that morning. And every one of them could be characterized by this expression. I was terrified before I started because I thought I was going to lose viewers and I was going to get a whole bunch of pushback and my news director was going to be pissed off with me and my general manager was going to lean on me and say, stop doing that. And it never happened. The dog never barked. And as a matter of fact, most of them say, I hear for the first time people saying things like, thank you. That you are the only person that I've heard in the news media telling me about what this means for me. So I think it's an incredibly good news story. Um, the fact that this issue that so many people are scared of approaching, in fact, so many people want to hear about it. They want to learn about it. And when you make the effort to report on it, especially as a local issue, connect, to connect it to their lives, they say, thank you. That's, that was really helpful to me. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs>